Um, do you have your, if you have your Bibles with you, don't you want to just quickly turn to Luke chapter 12? Um, just, I want to read just verse 32, 33, 34. Um, before we take up the offering, open to Luke chapter 12. So anointed that Bible. Luke chapter 12 is an amazing um, chapter. It's, um, I think it's about 11 times it talks about fearing not. Fear not. Um, just dealing with uh, different aspects um, and just kind of trying to encourage us not to fear because God is with us. If you've got God, you don't have to fear. Amen. And uh, it, it, it does go through different aspects about even our, our, our food and our clothing and not to fear and, and not to fear if you're standing before um, people um, and you don't know what to say. God will, will fill your mouth with it. It tells you to fear not. Um, don't fear that which can kill the body. Um, it, it even It's going down to having no fear even of death. Um, it really is trying to tell us don't, don't, don't have fear, full stop, right? Amen? Someone encourages us as a church, in the days that we're living in, fear not. Uh, this is not a time to fear, to back off. This is a time to actually say, Lord, yay. Amen. Um, uh, we've we got you on our side. So, just those couple of verses before I do take up the offering, I just I love that we, we do things in faith. So um, it says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And then it says, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Starting off by telling us to fear not. Fear not. Why should we be afraid? Because he goes on to tell us, sell your possessions and give to the needy. That's quite scary, isn't it? So that would be a fear. It's not the story of the, of the ruler. The rich young ruler, because he's told the rich young ruler, sell all that you have. Um, he was trying to see, discern the ruler's heart. What he was trying to kind of encourage us here is that our father, we're not to be afraid because of who our father is and because of who we are. How do we get that from the scripture? Fear not, little flock. He's talking to sheep about a great shepherd. It is your father's good pleasure. He's talking about sons and daughters and about a great father. And then he talks about, to give you the kingdom, he's talking about a king and his subjects. So today we are sheep, we are children of God, and we are subjects of an amazing king and kingdom. And he's saying, don't be afraid because your father and your great shepherd and your king, it's his absolute joy to give. It's your father's joy to give. Just let that sink in. It's his good pleasure to give. To give you what? The kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. What's he saying? What he's saying is that because it's the father's good pleasure to give, 
It's the nature and the heart of the Father. It's the nature and the heart of His people. Amen? I've got nothing to give. I'll find something to sell so that I can give. Because it's my nature and my character and my heart to give. See, by doing that, you could sneak in there the word thus. Provide for yourself money bags that do not grow old. Why do money bags grow old? Because they're not used. And with the treasure in the heavens that does not fail. See, as you give, you store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where it never fails. To have a security church where you don't have to fear anymore is to store up for yourself treasures in heaven where it cannot fail. You see, because he goes on to quickly help us here and say, because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And I believe the days that we've been living in, the days that we are living in as the church, I believe he is finding out where the people of God's hearts are. So as we do take up the offering this morning, I'm not asking you to sell your possessions. <laughs> Yo, for some of you, it's like, well, that's easy. That'll take about three seconds. No. Um, <laughs> the reality is, friends, is it's the nature and the character of our God to be a giver and to give. And we are not to fear. And the days that we're living in, there's such a fear that's coming over people and coming over the people of God where they are becoming withholding. It's not the nature of our Father. And the very thing that you're doing is crippling you. And the very thing that you're doing is telling you where your heart is. It's very quiet. Let's take up the offering and I'll carry on with something else. No, <laughs> no. So, Father, I just thank you this morning as we do stand before you as the people of God. Your word encourages us, fear not. So we want to address fear in the room right now. We put you in your rightful place. That's under our feet. But we address you right now. Where fear has tried to grip our hearts, Lord God. We make the adjustment, the heart adjustment right now. In Jesus' name. We make an adjustment in our heart to say, you are our treasure. And we won't fear because we are your sheep and you are an amazing shepherd. We won't fear because you are our father, an amazing, wonderful, lavish father. We won't fear because you are our king. And it is your good pleasure to give. You love to give. It's your nature. You love to give your people the kingdom. And so thank you for your kingdom now, Lord God. Even as we're sitting here, Lord God, I feel it in the spirit, but I just know even in my own heart and life, we have no idea what that means. Because we are so conditioned by the tangibleness and things of this world. That right now, Father, we would stand up and applaud if we were given things. But because we're given the kingdom, Father, When the kingdom, Lord God, unlocks everything. When the kingdom of God, Lord God, brings everything that we need in this life. When the kingdom of God brings joy. Thank you, Father, for the joy of our salvation to be restored back to our hearts once again. 
And I thank you, Father, as we give, Lord God, we give with, it's our good pleasure this morning to give. We thank you that we can give and release the finances this morning into your kingdom, into your plans, into your purposes. We're excited, Lord, for that which you're doing. And we're not afraid of giving. We're not going to panic, Lord God. We're not people that want to store up because we trust you and we know you're good and we know you're a giver and we know that you love to give us everything that we need in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless every person that gave this morning. It's such a joy when you understand this in the kingdom of God. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom, and the rest will be added. If you understand the absolute joy of this scripture, it's that the rest will be added. The Bible says, I do know what you are in need of. It's not as if God is like, oh, my word, I didn't realize that. He knows exactly what you have need of, but the bigger issue here is the kingdom. And so we get, we, the way we deal with fear is by giving. Isn't it amazing? Thank you for that excitement. So I'm like a, I'm, just for those maybe you're visiting, it's great to have Anthony and Jackie and Amy with us. And others that are visiting that I haven't got to, bless you, I love visitors, love uh, guys coming, be part of this family, as excited and exuberant and, and powerful this family is, smiling and jumping up and down at the preaching of the word, it's wonderful. Um, just thank God that you love Jesus and uh, you're such a smiley bunch. What I want to impart this morning is, uh, is a truth which I think um, I've been journeying for the last three years. I went back to kind of see what the Lord was doing and saying. And it's funny how the worship went this morning that it went in that direction. And, and that's simply, um, I've been on a journey where um, I felt like the Lord said, this is your inheritance, but I have no idea where I'm going. And uh, one of the things, I don't mind being honest and transparent with the church, one of the things that really has ticked me off is um, the, the things that we do as a, in the church today that has no power. And uh, I've questioned myself as to why we do certain things and, 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 and why, if there's no power, why are we, why are we doing it? So it, it kind of uh, has irritated me to see programs and things in the life of the church if there's no power. Because then it doesn't come from a heart. It just comes from a, a, a really good business uh, model or setup, right? So that's been my journey. My journey has been a struggle. And, um, and I've just I, I battled with form. And, uh, and the scripture that, I, 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 that God gave me, it was, I think, three years ago, was in the 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Timothy. I'll just read it to you because it's a very powerful scripture. But 2 Timothy chapter 3. And it reads like this, but understand this, in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. That's a lot of words. Let me just simply say this, lovers of self... Lovers of money, 
and lovers of pleasure. In the last days, people will be lovers of self, of money, and of pleasure. And the fruit of that will be all of this lovely stuff that we're seeing here today. Well, hopefully not here, but we're seeing in the world today, right? Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Disobedient to their parents. Isn't a lacquer one that sneaked in there? Disobedient to their parents. Slanderous, brutal, no self-control. Disobedient to their parents. Also, I also love this one. Ungrateful. An ungrateful heart exposes a heart that's a lover of self. But what I really got captured by was... Um, to get onto the more smiley thing is having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. To have a form without power for me is just not God. And so the journey that I've been on even in my own life but even as a church has been like I really have, I want zero tolerance of form. I want zero tolerance of programs, whatever. Kick out any programs. I just want power. We want to see God doing stuff. But I've realized over the years, as I've matured in the Lord, that form is very important as well. See, the problem is form without power. The problem isn't form. See, the problem isn't programs. The problem is programs without power. See, for me, calling ourselves a family but not actually being one, I've got a problem with that. So I just felt, let's not tolerate that anymore. Let's stop just gathering on a Sunday because of form. Good form. Good form. And let's actually let God do that in us. Amen? So I knew that in the life of 24-7 church, it needed a shift. It needed a change. We got into form. There's no power. But I have learned to realize that it's not just power. It's, you need form. You see, it's not just the Word and it's not just the Spirit. It's Word and Spirit. You see, we're called to be a body form, but we're not just a body. How many know you can go to the morgue and see a lot of bodies, right? The church is not a morgue, although some churches, form and power, we want both in the life of the church. We don't just want to be called a family, we want to be a family, right? We don't just want the form of family. We want to be family. Amen. And uh, so I want to encourage us as a church that the things that we've kind of embarked on and, 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 and journeyed a little bit over the last little while, that's the heart of what God's wanting to do. He wants form with power. And 
That's why I want us to pray because um, I, I want a venue. I want a venue that we can meet. I believe, I believe Sunday mornings, there's form to Sunday mornings. But I believe God just doesn't want it just in name only. He wants it also in reality, in our lives. Amen? We're not Christians in name only. Amen. So, so I want to encourage us with that because I, that's where I want to launch off from. I want to say that um, meeting uh, in homes every second week at the moment is, is good. Even though it stretches us because it's not quite the form. It's actually helping us to be who God's called us to be and to bring power to family to what it means to be family. Amen? And so even if you're being stretched, I want to encourage you to keep going, attending all these different households because that's who the body of Christ is. We're a group of people called a family. You want to live and be a family, and then you want to live in the presence and the power of God in and through us as a family. Amen? It's very quiet, Jack. If you guys are not saying amen... Do you know how it just makes me preach longer and harder? Amen. See, I knew that would get you going. See, now we're getting amens. Amen. So I want to encourage us. Um, next week is, uh, is the uh, Household of Acts week. And um, it's the 94.7. If you didn't know, for those that are not writing or, or have heard about it or seen all the signs, it's the 94.7 on the Sunday morning. So we're going to look at it and see where all the households of Acts are. If there's some that are really surrounded and difficulty, we'll join in with other ones. Um, but we will still have the household of Acts, and we'll be together because we're not just about form. We're also about reality and doing what God's called us to do, and that's meeting together and loving one another. Amen. So just that's an encouragement to you. In terms of um, uh, the hospital visitations, Connor, you got some dates? Um, Ellie, 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 Ellen can wave. Please go and see her. Um, we'd love the group to increase in, uh, that goes to the hospitals and their visitations. Um, the Summerfield Christmas party is on the 16th of December from 12 to 4. Go and speak to Ellie of how you can help there as a church. We'd love, obviously, as many hands as possible. Summerfield is a retirement uh, village. Um, and we're going to go minister to the retirement folk there. Um, and then um, we're going to the hospital, Rahim Musa Hospital, on Saturday the 14th of November. That's the next one. Of December. 14th of December. Um, so please go and see Ali. It's, it's just a beautiful opportunity for us to be not just good form, but to be actually the family of God, going and ministering to people in, in the hospitals. Amen. Uh, and then on the 1st of December, 1st of December, it's December the 1st. It is a Household of Acts weekend. But on the 1st of December, we are going up to um, uh, Botswana, to Gaborone, to uh, lay hands on uh, Dave and Liesel and ordain them uh, as um, the leaders of uh, Sadiba Life. Uh, church. So for those of you who can come for the weekend, please come and talk to us. Let us know. We have to work out the logistics and um, where people will stay and all what have you. But it's going to be a huge weekend um, where we're going to celebrate them, celebrate the church. And uh, it's really a, basically a launching of Sadiba Life. Um, they've gone through a whole process and transition and difficult challenges, but now we're going to launch them. And this is very important. Um, that we lay hands and, and release them so the community can see the ordained couple 
um, leading the church with the authority and the blessing of God. Amen. Um, that's all the announcements, I think. And then prayer meetings. On, uh, our prayer meetings are very powerful in light of what I'm about to share. Uh, our prayer meetings are very powerful in terms of, uh, of the destiny and the plans and the purpose that God has for us as a church, but as individuals as well. So we meet on, on Mondays at 7 p.m. I think it's at Ben and Sal's house this Monday. Um, if it's not at their house, it's at our house, and they're just around the corner from each other. So all good? Okay. So it's at Ben and Sal's house on, um, um, tomorrow night at 7 p.m. So I'd love you all to join us. Okay. Having said what I said now, with a bit of time that I do have, let me, let me share this. And let me say this, that God is, it's a new day, it's a new way. What God is wanting to see and what God's wanting to do in and through our lives is so amazing, it's so wonderful and so powerful. It's about Holy Spirit. It's about a life filled with Holy Spirit. It's about a body filled with Holy Spirit. It's about a body becoming the the reality of what Jesus paid for on the cross. Amen? And um, when, I don't know if, you, if you were all at the household of Acts um, last week, but we shared about Ephesians chapter 4, um, a few verses. Um, but I just wanted to quickly touch on this verse. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10, it says, He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. I don't know how well you studied that in your, in, your, in your groups, but let me just touch on that this morning. It's an interesting one that's just dropped in there. He who is, is descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. If you know your word and you read your word, Corinth, uh, Colossians chapter 1, I think it's around verse 16, talks about Jesus being the image of, the, of God, talks about him being the firstborn, talks about him being the one who created everything, who holds everything together? Why does it say here that Jesus, who descended, is also the one who ascended so that he could, he could be above all the heavens? How many know there's more than one heaven? Amen? Paul talks about the third heaven. There's three heavens. There's the heavens that you see. Nice and cloudy. Hopefully we'll drop some more rain. Then you get it. Another heaven, it's where the realms of the enemy operate, and then you get the heaven where God is seated, amen? And Jesus, who descended, ascended so that he could be above all those heavens, so that he could fill all things. But I thought he holds all things together. Everything is held together by the power of his word. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. But Jesus descended so that he could ascend and be above all of that. Is that just, it's just, that's nice. I read that. It's beautiful. Move on. The reality here, church, is it's the same as Ephesians chapter 1 where he's talking about being seated far above all authority and all power and all principalities. There's something he's trying to get us to understand here. There's something about what Jesus did when he descended that he went, he had to go up to establish it. How many know that when he descended and came down, he came down as a man? Amen? Every single one of us here this morning, if, I, if we had to sit and have a look at all that Jesus did, if he did a church as God, we have to stand up this morning and we have to applaud him. We have to say, wow, that is amazing what you did. That is so awesome. 
But that's all there is. We can applaud him. But if he did it as a man, then there's something more that we have to do than just applaud. You see, Jesus is our model, and God calls us to be like him and to do what he did, and even more and greater things will you do than even he did, friends. What Jesus did is model what a man looks like who's forgiven of his sins and filled by the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus is trying to establish and say here is that he went above all heavens, all the heavens, above every single authority so that he could fill us. So that if he fills us and our life is filled, how many know we were filled? And then we went on our own track, Adam and Eve had something to do with that. And we went, they went, we went on a journey and he, wants, he had to establish back so that we could be filled once again so we could be who he's called us to be. Amen. One of the most amazing and fascinating things for me, friends, is that Jesus modeled something for every single one of us, a life that has been forgiven of all its sins and a life that's filled with Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that the whole world cannot contain the books that would, if, if we had to write down everything that Jesus did, the whole world cannot contain those books. Isn't that fascinating? In three and a half years, Lucky I'm spitting between the rows. It's no problem. In three and a half years, what Jesus did, the whole world cannot contain it in books. You see, that just goes over our heads. That's just like, huh? One man who's forgiven of his sins and filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but he was Jesus. Friends, he said, I can do nothing apart from my father. He laid down every bit of his ability in himself as Jesus, and he became a man, and he fulfilled everything that he did as a man, and now he's seated at the right hand of God to declare and speak over us as a man and say, I am seated above all authority. You are now seated with me. The same authority, same power, you can do it as well. You can stand there and applaud what I've done, or you can live what I've done. That's the hope, friends. That's the excitement. That's the joy. The joy of our salvation. David says, restore unto me the joy of our salvation. We can lose the joy of our salvation because we're looking at a different, through different eyes. We're looking through the wrong lenses. And this morning, I want to try and encourage us to look through the right lenses and look through the right understanding that God was trying to tell us here. If I can encourage you this morning, we have no idea of the value, the pricelessness of the commodity joy. Because you know, Jesus went through everything that he went through because the Father gave him that priceless commodity. For the joy set before me, I endured the cross. See, I want to encourage us this morning. Joy is a priceless commodity that God has given his children. But if we don't understand this, we'll never live and operate in joy. See, and where does joy begin to operate? If you go to John chapter 16 very quickly, 
John chapter 16, I'll just read the scripture. It says, in that day you will ask nothing of me. What day is he talking about? He's talking about that day when he's now no longer here and he's gone to be with the Father. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Why will we ask nothing of him? Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father. So we're not asking Jesus, we're asking the Father. But we're asking in my name, in Jesus' name, he will give to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Do you know what a Christian's joy is? Asking and receiving. Isn't that amazing? You know what the fascination is about the Lord's Prayer? Number one, the Lord's Prayer starts with our Father. It's a family prayer. That's why we get together and pray together. Because it's our Father. Not my Father, our Father. Amen? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The fascination, friends, isn't the kingdom of God coming. The fascination is that God moves because we pray. It's about prayer. It's about praying to God. It's about as a family believing and trusting God. And our joy is in receiving that which we have prayed. Amen? Friends, we have to get back in understanding that what God has given us is the ability to stand together and to pray and to believe Him and to trust Him and to see Him answer prayers. Now, your experience and your, your, um, what you've journeyed and all that in your life, friends, has to die. We've got people in the church today, just like people in the world today, who are overwhelmed with busyness, they are over uh, committed in life with a whole bunch of stuff. They uh, are operating in areas where they have no grace for or no skills. And you can go round and round that mountain forever and still get the same result over and over again. And the result is it's called depression. Or you can wake up. And you can say, I'm going to believe and say yes to Jesus. And I'm going to say, okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Interesting verse. Paul says, it's not, we are not your restrictions. Your restrictions are your affections. The reason why we have restrictions, friends, is our affections because we've turned our gaze inward. You see, in depression, is simply an inward gaze. See, we're not called to be a depressed people. We're called to be a people of hope, a people of power. We're called to be a people who believe, called to be believers, called to be a people who are our father, a family. Amen. Who says, I will trust you, Lord. You are the one who leads me. You are the one who guides me. You are the one who I entrust my life to. And that's why I read Luke chapter 12. Fear not. See, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Here's the challenge, church. The challenge is, are we caught up in things or are we caught up in the kingdom? Because if you're caught up in things, you're going to get depressed. But if you're caught up in the kingdom, you'll never ever get depressed. 
Because the kingdom is always advancing. The kingdom is always at work in our hearts and in our lives. Amen. Turn with me to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1. I'll land and wrap it up with this. There's something that happens to Jesus when he gets baptized, which I think we don't fully understand and don't have a full revelation on. But up until that point, we don't really see Jesus really making much of a punch into life itself. But the Bible says um, that, he, that the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. Um, as he's baptized and he goes into the water and as he comes out, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. And uh, the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He declares something over Jesus. And then it goes and it says that Jesus then went out in the power of the Spirit. And uh, he goes into the desert for 40 days. And for 40 days he, uh, he fasts, uh, no food, no water. And uh, then the enemy comes and tests him. We know the story, right? Who doesn't know the story? Do I have to go through it or everyone understand that story. And then he's tested, he's challenged three times, right? Every single one of those challenges has to do with something. But let me give you the essence of what the whole thing is all about. What the whole thing is all about really is things. He was challenged down to his core about things. He had a choice to either believe what God had spoken over his life. He had a choice to either believe the word or he, he, he could be attracted to actually to things. So Jesus said, it is written. It is written. But you can have all these things. It is written. And he goes out, and for three and a half years, he does the most miraculous miracles, the most wonderful things, that if anybody had to sit down and be a scribe, the whole world cannot contain that miracle, that all the history of, of what Christ did in three and a half years. So we've got to ask ourselves a question and say, what, what, what's missing? And I'll try and unpack to you what's missing. What's missing is the Spirit of the Lord upon us. See, the Spirit of the Lord is inside every single one of us. But is the Spirit of the Lord upon us? See, the Spirit of the Lord is inside every single one of you for you. Spirit of the Lord fills you so that you can have peace. Spirit of the Lord fills you so that you can have assurance, so that you can, so that you can, he, he brings understanding. He, he, he's helping us. He's leading us. He's guiding us. But the Spirit of the Lord upon us is not for you. It's for others. See, in Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He goes into a synagogue and he begins to preach the word and he reads the word from Isaiah and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. There's an upon, friends. One of the most misunderstood uh, teachings which came in and really confused the church was the Holy Spirit being a dove. Because what happened is people began to preach Holy Spirit as a dove. Now, and a dove, friends, is very, very skittish. A dove is very nervous. 
And a dove kind of flies off at the, the, the least little bit. So suddenly, the Holy Spirit is very skittish. And so if you do anything wrong, he just flies away. So suddenly, Jesus was, could be surrounded by sinners and, and go into sinners' homes and meet with sinners. And God met with sinners and uh, God the Father. And, and he met with Abraham. He was a sinner. But, but the Holy Spirit's so skittish, friends. That's not what the Bible was trying to get us to understand. The Holy Spirit is not skittish of sin, friends. Holy Spirit, just like God, comes in, friends, wherever sin is. You see, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Friends, so the Holy Spirit came into your and my life, was not intimidated by your and my life and what we did or didn't do, right? And He came in and He transformed and He changed our lives. But friends, Holy Spirit upon you is a dove. To understand it in another way, I forget who Bill Johnson got it from, but he, sh- he shared, somebody shared it with him. But anyway, he said this. He said, imagine the Holy Spirit like a dove on your shoulder. How would you walk to make sure that he didn't fly away? You would be, you'd, you'd walk being aware of, of the dove, right? So the, the, the Holy Spirit upon us is walking in a, in a way that we're aware of him all the time. That he can rest upon us and that he can stay there and then we can move in what he's called us to. Amen. There's a lot of people of God, friends, that are filled with Holy Spirit. But there's not many people of God who have Holy Spirit upon them. And Jesus had Holy Spirit upon them. Now, when you've got Holy Spirit upon you, friends, you walk in power. And for me, that's the difference between form, a form without power. You see, and here's the challenge with prayer. The challenge with prayer, friends, if you're not getting answers to prayer, then you have to revert back to what? The discipline of prayer. Which is the form of prayer. Now we are moving into religion. So now we begin to celebrate with one another that I attend Monday night's prayer meeting. And I pray every single morning at 4 o'clock in the morning. Friends, my heart's the Bible actually was not about the form only and not about you praying. You can pray till you're blue in the face, friends. But if you're not praying with authority and with power, see, the kingdom of God, if we can understand the kingdom of God, just to try and grab hold of this. The kingdom of God is not here over there. The kingdom of God is within us. What is the kingdom of God? Romans chapter 14, I think it's verse 17 around there. It says this. It says, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is in the Spirit. God's wanting us to operate in the kingdom of God. He's wanting us to release the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? It's the king's domain. It's the rule and reign of God. God's wanting us to operate and release his domain and his rule and reign, friends, in the spirit. You see, the Bible says the word became flesh. But then in John chapter 6, it says that my words are spirit. It's one thing for the Word to become flesh. It's another thing for His words to become spirit. You see, we've got a bunch of people walking around in the world today whose the Word has become flesh, 
but it's not become spirit. See, and the creative power of God operates in the spirit. Is this going over their heads? Or is this, are we catching this? Really, maybe it needs to be unpacked uh, in, 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 in more depth. But just if so we can understand that God's wanting us to operate in the spirit. One man and a whole world could not contain the books to write about in three and a half years, friends. And we're sitting here depressed and down and moping because we have lost things or can't do things or we can't pay this or can't pay that, friends. We will stay in that cycle of being overwhelmed, overcommitted, depressed, down, operating in realms that we shouldn't be operating in until we say, stop the bus. And say, right, let's go back to the Word. Let's understand something here. It's not just about being filled with the Spirit, but the Spirit of the Lord being upon me. It's not just about praying, friends. I'm not interested in the form. What I am interested in the power. And Jesus said to me, my, my joy is found in the power of praying together as our Father and seeing God answer prayers. Ask, believe, receive, and your joy will be filled. This is a day right now, friends, where we are to gather together and begin to believe and to pray. The challenge with a lot of believers, friends, is you don't have any joy when you're praying for something you already have. Have you ever prayed a prayer, God, will you just be with me today, throughout today? God can't answer that prayer. You'll never get any joy for an answered prayer on that one. Because my Bible tells me you'll never leave me nor forsake me. See, friends, if you're asking a prayer that he can't answer because he's already answered it, then you don't get the joy of receiving that which he is. Is it sinking? Or is it sinking? What are you sinking? Friends, what I'm stirring up this morning is it's time to pray. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. The big thing isn't the kingdom of God coming. The big thing is that we, the kingdom of God comes because we pray. See, we've got this weird thing that's come into the life of the church. It's a very weird thing. It's only in recent history where it's come in where, hey, Kesara, Sarah, whatever, whatever will be God, whatever your will is, it'll just happen. Friends, where did we sniff that from? It's not in the Bible. No, really, it's not in the Bible. About my Bible says, you know what my Bible says? My Bible says it's God's will that none should perish, but all should come to a knowledge of Him. Are there people perishing? Is it God's will for them to perish? But they're still perishing. Friends, we've got to take responsibility for our lives. We've got to grab hold of things now. We've got to say, okay, stop the bus. Today, the bus stops. You do not have the excuse of all the 40,000 reasons why you are parked where you are. Because the Bible tells you you don't have to be parked there. You say, God, but how do we do that? We start with our Father. We put it into a family. 
so we can stand together and we can pray together. The second thing you're going to do is, is going to step into faith. I'm going to read you the scripture now. I haven't forgotten 1 Timothy. I will come back to it. Because the reality is, friends, we can't do this alone. You have to do this together. Amen? Do you know, Jane was singing, well, you singing it about obedience this morning. You were singing a song about obedience. Do you know that obedience is literally the anchor or the core or the center of discipleship? We understand that, right? So obedience is vital. It's the center. It's the core. But it's more than just obedience. Because obedience is about achieving. It's about, it's about doing everything that's required. You see, it's, a, it's like I, I can tell you stuff today, and if your mindset is a, is a worldly mindset, not a kingdom mindset, then it can be obedience. I've got to do a whole bunch of stuff so that we can... So that the result can, we can get the result that we want. Amen? But the Bible says he's called us to be friends. It's not just obedience, friends. There's a friendship here that we're talking about. What's friendship? Friendship is a heart thing, friends. Friendship is a heart matter. It's not just about obedience now. Now it's about friends. And why is it, when it's about friends, what happens? Friends, friends. When, when it's about friends, you do more than it's on the list. See, friends, their heart is open and yielded to do all that God's called them to do, more than just trying to tick a box of, of being obedient to what's required of me. Amen. So I'm encouraging us here today that the, God's calling us as friends to step into Faith, as friends, not trying to do something that's required, like fulfill the plan. Maybe I should say it like this. Do you know that every single challenge, every single difficulty, every single shortcoming, every single finance, every single issue in your life that you will go through has already been paid for by Jesus Christ and is in the bank account? Do we know that? It's already there. It's already done. Through the cross of Jesus. Every single thing that you need. There is no shortcoming of resources for what you need in your life to fulfill everything. Jesus Christ did that on the cross. It's done. Friends, what we do is we access that by faith. But if we have a worldly mentality and a worldly mindset, our worldly mindset thinks bank accounts in terms of a worldly understanding. In a worldly understanding, a bank account, friends, is all about how much you deposit in it. See, you, you deposit in it and then you make a withdrawal against it. See, that's not the kingdom of God. What actually happens in the kingdom of God is everything that you deposit into the kingdom, friends, is there for eternity. You don't withdraw against your bank account. Everything that you do, friends, it's why when I read that as well in Luke chapter 12, you will understand. 
You're putting it into a bank account where it can never be corrupted. It can never lose value. It can never uh, be uh, affected by the economy or anything else where moth and rust can corrupt and where it can be damaged. Or It never does. The Bible says in Matthew 25 when he's talking about the last days and the sheep and the goats. And he's saying, listen, enter into my salvation. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was hungry, you gave me some food and what have you. It goes through all the things. And they say, when do we do that? When you did that to the least of me. You see, when you, did it, when you do those things, friends, when you're releasing finances to the king, when you're doing all of that, friends, it's storing up for yourself treasures in heaven. That's your eternal bank account, friends. But when you're accessing and withdrawing what you're needing in this life, friends, you don't access that bank account. That's the mentality of the church, and it's causing major damage, friends. Because it's, did I put enough deposits in there? Maybe if I'm kind enough to God, he'll give me an overdraft facility. See, the reality is, friends, you are accessing Jesus' bank account, not yours. Everything that you do, friends, in your giving is storing up for yourself a treasure in heaven. And that's vitally important. Because you will have that treasure beautifully standing next to you when you stand before Jesus one day. How big or small that may be. But in our life on this earth, friends, we are not accessing that. We are accessing the, 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 the treasures of heaven. We're accessing Jesus' bank account. And the way you access that is by faith. It's got nothing to do with works. We have to rise up as a people of God. I don't care what you've done, how you've done it, where you've been, friends. It doesn't matter to me. What matters to me, friends, is that do you believe? Because I'm not, we're not accessing something based on your, what you've done how many deposits you've made. We've, we're accessing Jesus who's got e done everything for us. Amen. We've got to understand that, otherwise we, we kind of get ourselves into trouble. It sounds very quiet in here, so maybe you need to listen to the, the podcast afterwards and, and hear what I am saying or what I'm not saying. But anyway, let me just read you um, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Listen to this verse 18. This charge I entrust you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Isn't that amazing? Here's a father speaking to his son. And the father speaking to his son says, I'm entrusting to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies made previously about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. The prophecies spoken over Timothy are the weapons of his warfare. Friends, what's the prophecy spoken over your life? And if you don't have any prophecies spoken over your life, let me just say this. This book was written way before you were born, by the way. So this is a prophetic book. So whatever this says about you is prophetic. So here's a prophecy. So take this prophecy, friends, and wage the good warfare. Amen. It's to take this book and say, nevertheless, at your word, Jesus did that. When the enemy tried to attack him, he just said, it is written. Right? Ooh, I'm working hard this morning. I don't know why, but maybe it's just me. 1 Timothy 
chapter 1. I lost it again. Let's go back there quickly. There it is. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my, my, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. There's the two key, two key things. Holding faith. Don't let your faith go. Friends, Luke 18 verse 8 says this. It says, when, I, when Jesus comes back, will he find faith on this earth? Friends, it's going to be a scarce commodity. Can you believe that? Yeah, we probably can believe that. It's crazy, friends, and yet 1 John chapter 5, I think it's verse 3 or 4, it says this, this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Holding faith. And secondly, it says, and a clear conscience. Hebrews chapter 10 talks about that when, you know, the priests, every single day, they're going there, they're slugging the animals, whatever and that, every single day to try and to cover the sins, but Jesus comes and gives one offering once and for all so that our conscience can be cleared of all sin. We're not supposed to be sin conscious anymore. Actually, the people of God are not supposed to be sin conscious anymore. So when it talks about your holding uh, faith and a good conscience, friends, what it means simply is that is the people of God are getting bombarded in their conscience, they're having a guilty conscience. So the word of the Lord's coming, and people are prophesying and saying things over our lives, and we're sitting there going, well, I don't know if that could happen to me. I, you know, I'm not in a good place at the moment. I haven't read my Bible for three days. And the Bible's saying it's important because you need to have a good conscience. Because if you don't have a good conscience, it's going to rob you of your faith and of your prayer. Because if you're feeling guilty, Amen. Friends, all he's asking us to do is to add our amen to his yes. That's what he's asking us to do. But it's the hardest thing for the church. Because we've been bombarded in our conscience and it's like, well. And Jesus is saying, listen, look at me. I am the one who's modeling something for you. A man who's forgiven, friends. Every single one of us here today, we are men and women who have been forgiven. We are no longer guilty. We don't have a sin consciousness, friends. We are not guilty and we are not ashamed. We boldly come before his throne room like Jesus. And everything, God has done everything for us. It's all yes, friends. That's why the reality is, friends, it's never on his side, right? So when we pray and we're trusting and believing God, if we are not getting the answers, friends, maybe that we want, but if we're not getting answers, let's just say it like that. If we're not getting answers, it's never God's side, right? You can say yes, that's not a trick question. It's not on his side. I promise you he's God, okay? It's always on our side. Oh, if it's on our side, well, we better go and check ourselves out and do a whole bunch of stuff. It's not. doesn't mean now we go back into guilt and shame. It means we ask the Lord to help us make the adjustments so that we can live in the joy of our salvation. Amen. 
We simply say, okay, Lord, I'm praying. What are the, if there's adjustments that need to be done, friends, then what are the adjustments? We come back to the adjustments, friends. The adjustments are we've got to be free of things. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Are we a people who are giving? I understand, honestly, I understand why Paul became a tent maker. Because I'm not standing up here asking you to give so because I'm the one who's receiving your funds. I'm standing up here asking you to give, friends, because that's the biblical description of what causes people, friends, to not experience and to not walk in the fullness that God has for them, which is joy. It's time for the people of God to walk in joy. It's time for the people of God not to have the form without power. And friends, it's not on God's side. I promise you, it's not on God's side. He's done everything, friends, that we need. And Jesus is our example that he's done everything. Jesus is giving us a beautiful example of a life where the Spirit of the Lord is upon. We work in, walk into situations, friends, and the presence of the Lord. How many understand and know very quickly? <laughs> very quickly. Jesus is walking with a big crowd around him, and he's walking along, whatever, and everyone's going, and he's been bustled, whatever, and he's walking along, and the next minute, whoa. Hold on. Something was just taken out of me. Power. Who did that? Somebody accessed it by faith. How many know that Jesus knew that power had gone from him? How many know that the power of God is actually tangible? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. How many know that Peter and John are walking along to the temple and people are putting sick people on either side, and as they walk past, their shadow just goes over them and they get healed. How many know that the shadow's got no substance? So it couldn't have been, it's not the shadow. How many know that the people just found out where they were going? Hey, those guys, every single morning at 8.30, you know what they do? They walk down this pavement here. Just go and put your bodies there, and wherever they are, and wherever their presence is, if, it, if they walk past you, you get healed. Friends, this isn't Tinkerbell. Friends, this is the Word of God. This is, these, these are real people who had the presence of God. Something was overshadowing them that was so powerful, friends, that when people just put their sick in their way and they walked past, they got healed. Amen. That's Jesus and that's Peter and John. That's, that's real people. I know them. Not personally, but I know them. I've read about them. These are, these, are, these are real people. Now we've got to rise up and say there's a new day. It's a new way here. They we're tired of the church sitting there with the form. We're not going to create another good form. Good form, my son. Good form. I've given tortoise about form, friends. I'm interested in the power that goes with the form. Amen. Friends, and what happens is the people of God, they no longer want to read the word. They no longer want to spend time praying. And then expect then that there'll be power. Friends, it's easy to get form. 
I'll just stand up here and pop some more veins and cause you to get, feel really guilty and put your name down at something. The, the, but power, friends, comes from the Holy Spirit resting upon you. That comes from a friendship, friends. That comes from a heart attitude. That comes from spending time with God. That comes from knowing Him. That comes from dwelling in His presence. That's why we worship for an hour and preach for an hour and a half, whatever. Because um, we, we don't just want form. We want power. And in my ignorance, I'm kind of tossed out form, went for power. You need both, friends. If you just have power without any form, you'll blow up. See, the body, God wants to mature the whole body. You need a body, not just power. You need a body. It's not, we are not Casper the ghost. And doing a whole bunch of miracles. We've actually got form. We're the body with power. You see, because when you have a body, then you can look and you can see, because how do you know what, who that is? Well, you look up to the thing on the shoulders, the head. So you want to grow up into the head. Hey, who's that? Who's that? Oh, it's Jesus. See, we want to have the body and the power so that it's living. We've grown up into the fullness of Christ. He's living inside of us. The Holy Spirit is resting upon us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now I'm preaching the gospel. Not trying to convince some bunch of academics to believe this, this word. I say, kick the academics up the backside with power. Because academics have no idea. No idea. They're trying to work it out between their ears. You know the greatest problem in, for, in prayer? It's between our ears. Shall we stand before I get in trouble? You know, when I read that scripture about Abraham, because he's the father of our faith, it did help me somewhat. Because he said he didn't know where he was going. And I've been challenged by that over the last little while, saying, Lord, I don't know where I'm going. I just know in my heart there's an inheritance here. So I want to encourage you as a church, there's an inheritance here. I'm not sure where I'm going, but there's an inheritance that I'm after. And the household of Acts, it's a beautiful adjustment along the journey. But even as your leader, I realize there's some things about Sunday meetings that there's a form there that God, it's good. So I miss that. So just as we are closing our meeting this morning, I want us to pray as a, as a family for the new venue. And I know you might have been praying as individuals, but, you know, one can put a thousand, two can put ten thousand, a whole group of people. I do believe that God's wanting us to dare to believe Him right now. 
and to pray together for things and to watch God open doors. But friends, you and I have to make a decision this morning. Stop the bus. You decide to walk out of here today and to carry on in your depression or inward spiral or actually to lift up your eyes, look to Jesus and say, yes, I've been down this road 750,000 times and um, my experience is God doesn't help me and he doesn't answer and he doesn't come through and you've got to say, I'm going to silence all those lies. And I'm just going to believe truth this morning and the truth, allow the truth to set me free. And that is no problem on God's side. But I have to look at my own life and make the adjustments so that I can live in the joy of my salvation. Because Jesus said, ask and receive that your joy may be full. For a lot of people this morning, they may have been asking, but not receiving and they've lost their joy. But friends, again, it's not on his side. We need to stop the bus and ask ourselves some questions. It says, seek first the kingdom, and the rest will be added, friends. God knows we need things, but are we putting the kingdom first? See, Jesus had to make that decision when he was in the wilderness with the enemy. He said, yeah, you can have all of these kingdoms. Jesus. I believe, Lord, that we're walking into a season. There's something in my heart about March next year, but we're not going to wait for that. I just feel like we're walking into a season where the Holy Spirit wants to come and rest upon us where our lives become so sensitive, so aware of Holy Spirit, that as we begin to pray, God begins to move in such a mighty way that we begin to experience the joy of our salvation, answered prayer, where God can take the hardest heart, where you may have been praying for years, where maybe it's just been a, 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 a lifetime. But God can take that heart and change it in a moment. Where God can change circumstances in a moment. God can release finances in a moment. God can open a door for you in a moment. God can give you a job in a moment. So, Father, we come before you as a family. And we say, our Father. You alone are worthy. We worship you this morning. We bow our knee, we yield, we give you our yielded yes. We say, Lord, we put you first. We seek first, Lord, you all that you've called us to, Lord God, this morning.
We ask that Holy Spirit, you would come. Come and fill us. Come and rest upon us. Spirit of the Lord, come and rest upon us. Because it's not by might or by power. It's not by our cleverness and what we can do. Or It's totally only by Holy Spirit. If you're believing for healing this morning, if you're believing for uh, uh, a change in your circumstances, if you're believing for uh, uh, an increase or a bonus or a, uh, whatever it is, it, God's not intimidated by natural needs and things, friends. It's where you place your faith. Hold your faith and a clear conscience this morning a clear conscience and use the prophetic words over your life and the word of God as weapons of your warfare as you begin to declare them over your life as you begin to declare them over your situation And then having done all to stand, stand. And let the Lord take your words and make them become your reality. Because if we don't do that, friends, then we spiral inwardly and our restrictions are our own affections. And our negative words become our reality. So, Father, I want to pray first and foremost as a church. If you're in agreement and you're in faith and you're together as, as a family, I want to pray right now, Father, for the venue. I ask you right now, Lord, to give us as a church, as the family, 24-7 family, a venue. And we're asking, Father, for that venue before Christmas. I'm asking, Lord God, that you would divinely lead us to the right place, that you are divinely ministered to the right hearts and the people involved and the, and the administration and the authorities of that place, Lord God. You know our heart's desire is not to hire out a, a pay a monthly rent and hire out a factory, Lord God, but we'd love to move into a school hall or a place that we can just hire on uh, Sundays. So I ask that you divinely, Lord God, bring just thank you. I'm not going to ask for favor because that prayer can't get answered. We have favor. Thank you that your favor does surround us like a shield. And I thank you for favor with the people, Lord God, and that you would uh, help us, Lord God, just to uh, bring that deal together and to sort that out and to sign it, Father, and to get a venue in Jesus' name. And as I'm praying for that as a church, Lord God, we lift up our property to you, Father. We thank you right now for our own building, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you're doing miraculous things on that land. We thank you, Lord God, that you're moving mountains, that you're adjusting, Father, you're moving red tape, you're moving every obstacle that was there, Father, stopping us from moving onto that land. But I thank you, Father, that you are, Lord, releasing finances from heaven to be able to build the first phase, Lord God, and to get onto the land. I thank you that next year, Lord God, we will place our feet in the new building on that land in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, for the wall completed around that property, for the security around that property, Father, for all the finances needed to, to have somebody stay on our property, Lord. 
while we do all the development. But I thank you for every single bit of the development paid for in Jesus' name. We ask and believe right now. We thank you, Father, for that in Jesus' name. So thank you, Lord God. And we stand before you today, Lord God, as people that say, Lord God, if I've got nothing to give, Lord God, I will sell something. That I've got something to give, Lord God, but we want to be givers. We want to be people who release. We want to be people, Father, just like our daddy. Who, when it's, it's his good pleasure to give, it's our good pleasure to give as well. We want to give, Lord God, where you want us to give. To the needy, Father. To the land, to the projects, to wherever you want us to, Father. We give into 24-7 church. That we can do what you've called us to do, Father. But Lord, we pray today, Lord God, that you would shift our hearts, Lord God, understanding that you've called us to be givers in Jesus' name. And Father, as we're making these adjustments, I thank you, Lord God, that it is opening the gates. It's opening the floodgates. It's opening the blockages. Lord God, for the divine flow of God to flow in and through our lives, Lord. Lord, we want our hands to be a flow of blessing that we get blessed and we release blessing in Jesus' name. So, Father, every single person here, Lord God, that's struggling without a job or in their workplace uh, or just difficulties, Father, in the workplace, I thank you that we lift it up to you right now. And together by faith, Lord God, we speak into that situation and we declare, Lord God, the favor of God in that situation that our companies, Lord God, would change and shift because we have the authority, Lord God, of the kingdom, of the rule and reign of Christ now to speak and declare. I speak, Lord God, increase over our companies, over the finances. I thank you for release of income supernaturally beyond our wildest dreams. I thank you, Father, if we don't have work. I thank you for that opportunity that will be beyond our dreams. Father, we may have been sitting there, Lord God, even saying, Lord, I'm prepared to take anything. And God's saying, I don't want to give you anything. I want to give you the best. I thank you, Father, for that job opportunity that somebody's going to receive even right now, Lord God, that's going to be the best. The details, the, 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 the pay, the hours, Father, everything, the skills needed, are going to, it's going to be the best, exactly fit, hand in glove, Lord God, for them, Lord God, and for however many. But I thank you, Lord God, today. We're going to see a change around in our workplace. We're going to see a change around in our finances. We're going to see a change around, Lord. We release favor over every single person here into their workplace in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the conditions to begin to increase, Lord God. And Father, we are not uh, based on the, the, the economy, Lord God, but on you, Father. So Lord, I speak increase over our workplace. I speak, Lord God, increase over our workplace, Father. I speak divine contracts coming in supernaturally, even though it's the end of the year. I thank you, Father, for sales increasing in the name of Jesus. Because we're not about seasons, Lord God. Gauteng, season, Lord God, December, we're going to quieten down. I thank you, Father, Lord God, that we will pick up. I thank you, Father, for bonuses, Lord God. People will receive bonuses, even though, Lord God, it's difficult times. I thank you, Lord God, because we believe you and we're asking you, Lord God. We're not speaking to the economy. We're not speaking to you, devil. We're speaking to our Father God. And we are submitted to him and we resist you and you have to flee and you take your hands off of the businesses of this church in Jesus' name. And Father, I want to speak and declare over the families of this church. 
I thank you, Lord God. I speak health over the families, Lord God. Where there's been sickness that's plagued or challenged families right now, I speak to that sickness, disease, and infirmity, and I tell you to go in Jesus' name. You've been given notice, and you will get out. Your eviction notice is not 30 days. Your eviction notice is immediate in Jesus' name. You will get out right now, today, in the name of Jesus. You will get out of our families, out of our, every person's life here in the name of Jesus. I speak health and wholeness, Lord God. We thank you for your word that says, I pray that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. 1 John 3, 2. We declare that over every single one of our lives in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, for family relationships being restored, Lord. These are things that I felt in my heart, church. I'm just praying them. Husbands and wives, wives and husbands being restored. Families, husbands and wives with their kids. Relationships being restored in the name of Jesus. Where the enemy has tried to try and bring in an offense, where we've had to look over the fence. I thank you right now that you squash that fence. You remove that fence, Lord God. No more fence. Off with the fence. Offense. We thank you right now, Lord God. We bring freedom and liberty and restoration into relationships, Lord God, in our families, in Jesus' name. And Father, today as a family, Lord God, we repent, Lord. I stand before you as the father of this house, Lord God. On behalf of the people and on behalf of myself, Lord God, I repent, Lord God. In my such willingness, Lord God, to, for power, I repent of throwing out form, Lord God. Because with no form, Father, there's passivity. We become lazy in the spirit. But I thank you, Father, that you would restore back form. Restore back, Lord God. Establish, Lord God, the ways of God. The river banks, Lord God, in the church, Father. The river banks of salvation and of evangelism. The river banks, Lord God, of the poor and the needy, Father. The river banks, Lord God, of caring for one another and loving one another. The river banks, Lord God, of stepping out and, and giving and doing for others, Lord God. I thank you that you're restoring those banks, Father. But they're not just going to be restored. I thank you you're going to do them better than they've ever been, Lord God. Because they're going to flow with the river of power. Thank you, Jesus, for every single life here, Lord God. I love every single person here, Lord God. Where any person has been neglected, Lord God, I repent as the lead elder. And the shepherd of the flock. Because you love them, Lord God. And you want to see, Lord God, the power of God begin to move in every family, in every person's life, Lord God. We say, let your kingdom come and your will be done, Lord God. Not by our own cleverness, but by you, Holy Spirit. Will you come in power? The kingdom of God in power. That your word might move in spirit to heal, to set free and to make whole 
Lord, thank you for a wholeness that's coming back into this body, Lord God, into individual lives. And no judgment on anybody, please. Do not receive any judgment. But Father, wherever sadness, heaviness, or depression, Lord God, has tried to take root, we uproot it right now in the name of Jesus. We kick it out in the name of Jesus. I know, Father, that there is a, a part that medicine plays, but Lord God, we play our part today. And that's we will not fix our gaze. We will not fix our minds on inward gazing and nasal activity, Father. But we will fix our gaze on you, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We look to you now, Lord God, to be the solution, Father, to be the answer. And we will not look back. We will not look at what the past is saying, but we will look to the truth. We will look forward to you and to what you are saying right now. It's time. It's time to be free. It's time to live in the presence and power of God. It's time to experience the joy of our salvation in Jesus' name. Bless your people today, Lord. I know this has been a, a long prayer, but, but prayer is powerful, church. All we've got to do is come into agreement. So thank you, Father, for those that have come into agreement, Lord God. I thank you, Father. Let it be done according to their faith and according to their agreement. I thank you today, Lord God, that we're going to see answers to prayer because we've asked in Jesus' name. We've asked in Jesus' name, the name that's above every single heaven, the name that's above every single authority and power, at the name of Jesus, everything will bow. Everything will bow. Thank you, Lord. I'm trusting you, Lord, even from tomorrow and this week, we're going to see answers to prayer. And may every single person give glory to your name and your name alone. And all the people said, Amen and amen and amen. Amen. Be blessed. Love you. Please um, encourage one another. And uh, yeah, we trust for a great week. Let us know as God begins to move. Love you. Bless you.